Welcome to FinTech Fridays. Oh, yeah. A weekly podcast brought to you by the National Crowdfunding and FinTech Association of Canada and Partners. Covering all things FinTech, blockchain, P2P, AI, and alternative finance. Hey, everybody. Macy McCann here. Thank you for tuning in to another phenomenal uh, FinTech Friday podcast. Uh, Phenomenal FinTech Friday uh, is probably going to be our new slogan going in for 2022. um, Because, you know, I kept going with the fantastical thing. You know, I tried to get it admitted in Oxford. Unfortunately, I couldn't make it couldn't make it through because technically it's not a word because I made it up during the course of this podcast. So uh, I'm still not giving up 2023. Fantastical is going to be in the Oxford Dictionary. But... (laughs) Today, I got, I got Chris from Tao. Chris, thank you so much for joining me today. Great to be here. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. I guess for the four or five people that may not know essentially who you are and what Tao does, could you just give us a snippet of who Tao is and what Tao is and who you are? All right. Well, uh, I'll try to fit that into the next 45 minutes. So here's uh, Tal. Uh, quite simply, we are a blockchain infrastructure player. So everybody understands infrastructure on, on the internet, you know, a whole bunch of computers and hosting and all that sort of stuff in a data center. We're, we're kind of like that, except for blockchain. And blockchain right now, we believe is kind of like the internet was in like 1996. You know, not a lot of people are using it right now, but I think everybody's going to be using it for absolutely everything in, in the next three to five years. So, you know, our goal is to kind of be the the picks and the shovels of this blockchain Klondike that's coming our way. Yeah, it's uh, it's extremely exciting of what's kind of happening in the space right now. Like it's this this past, I mean, like I guess in the course of this entire pandemic, uh, there's been a lot of interest in the crypto and blockchain space, which has been exciting, especially for a guy like me that's been having the show for a little over three years, where like three years ago, if I went up to a bar and explained anything, if I, if I mentioned what blockchain was, like God, look at me, where it's like, hey man, are you on anything? Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, get the hell away from me. Like, I'm just trying to have a beer with my boys. Like, you're talking about fiat currencies and stable tokens. Like, what the heck are you talking about? But now everybody's very familiar with lingo i mean people are starting nfts left right and center which is uh we're living in a very interesting and and really great time for it to be in the space 100 percent, and maybe you know a smart guy like you can explain this nft phenomenon to me but uh <laughs> yeah oh I'd, I'd love to no problem uh it's something i've been kind of looking and just kind of reading on the side because it's it's uh it's quite interesting so nfts are essentially just digital art uh right mm-hmm. so in the future what you're going to see is instead of have instead of people having uh an original mona lisa or a vincent van gogh uh, they'll have these digital frames where people can have where they can create their own pieces of art they'll have a one of one so later down the line and probably the next 10 to 15 years you're going to see digital frames frameworks of mm-hmm. people owning like their own art so it'd be kind of like a rotating uh like screensaver in a sense of the kind of art pieces that you own which is pretty interesting because uh you know it's not only 2d it's also 3d so it's, it's also very interactive so that's another that's another place of value for up-and-coming artists uh and investors i guess hopefully and what they do with the original i've heard like you, you burn them like so the, the the nft is the only copy exactly exactly yeah so it's just like <clears throat> it's just a one-to-one kind of a deal right so just like as soon as it gets transferred over the original gets burnt yeah that must be hard as an artist i mean yeah i mean it's I t- yeah think about like you know going from like just creating the art all the way to like auctioning it to like hey mm-hmm. like do you own this? Like, I don't own my own art anymore. Like, well, that's a weird thing, but yeah, no, it's, it's definitely super difficult as an artist, but I mean, it is adapting. It is changing. It is relatively extremely new. So all the guidelines and regulations haven't really been set in place. Uh, 
to <laughs> for it to be, I guess, anything too crazy, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that's, you know, that, that's thematic with kind of the tokenization of real world things, you know, and yeah. not just money and art, but all kinds of other things and fractional ownership of things. And, um, you know, that tokenization, when you start thinking about, you know, so many people using that in so many different ways and also in industry, um, what you really need is a robust platform or protocol that can handle all that traffic and that's yeah. why you know that's why we're so dedicated to the bitcoin sv protocol yeah uh, because it scales up like crazy and it's super super cheap and yeah. i think that you know, for any protocol to work and gonna go global that's what it has to be and you know as far as your imagination can take you uh on on all these kinds of things um, you know, where, you know, stock markets are getting tokenized, you know, yep. all kinds of things are getting tokenized where you can have partial ownership things and it, and it being real and the blockchain really is, you know, a, a consensus tool, right? It's, it's a public ledger of truth and that, you know, it can't be changed, especially on, on something like Bitcoin SV, which is a proof of work. Like once it's there, it's there. Yeah. Uh, and that's what makes uh, so many of these applications so exciting. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's a great segue into what Bitcoin SV is. And I guess the emphasis on it, because, you know, if anybody kind of jumps on your website, if anybody's following anything that you guys are doing, you guys are very, very bullish on Bitcoin SV. And could you just give us a rundown of like what it is, how it got started and essentially why you guys are so passionate about Bitcoin SV? Listen, this should really be what the whole show is, because there's going to be people online here today that are going to just be hearing about Bitcoin SV for the very first time. And and for people that are all kind of committed to blockchain and Bitcoin, um, and if they're curious, we might just ruin their weekend because they're going to be reading all weekend and getting digging in and rolling up their sleeves to this. So, and I'm quite passionate about it. You're absolutely right. I think that's a great word about it. I, you know, even religious about it. So, um, in 2008, there was a white paper called uh, the Bitcoin white paper, and it's right here on my desk. I keep it on the top of the pile, a peer-to-peer -peer electronic cash system. And it's very short. It's worth a read. I read it every week or so. And um, what it talks about in there is this concept of electronic cash. And the word cash is really important to the whole central theme here, right? Because cash, what is cash? Cash is a medium of trust. We trust each other. I can come and knock on your door and buy your bike for $100. You trust that I give you two red men for that. You're, we're good. Uh, and we don't, we, so, so, so this whole DeFi and decentralization, um, it has to be peer to peer for that to work. So you need this system of trust. And, and the Bitcoin SV is 100% true to the original white paper as it was designed. So, um, the first, the, the white paper is written in 2008. The first block was mined in 2009. And then after that, things started to change on the BTC network. You know, I called that one, you know, the one that's trading at 55 or $56,000 today, I call it BTC. I don't call it Bitcoin because it's not Bitcoin anymore. It's something different. Something different, right? Of course. It's, it's and, been, and on, it's and been and on to something completely different, which is interesting. Yeah. It, it, it's not Bitcoin. It's it's and and they changed it and they changed it for a whole bunch of reasons. Uh, some of them were nefarious. Some of them were, you know, to get the node sizes down and all that sort of stuff. Um, and then it started to morph into this kind of store of value and lost all its utility. It is functionally useless. That one. Uh, that's why they have exchanges and custodians and all these other things where. It stopped being peer-to-peer. -peer. You know what they really did is recreate a lot of the aspects of the financial system. Um, and now all of a sudden we have intermediaries that we don't know and we shouldn't trust. 
And there is so many examples of why that doesn't work uh, from Mount Gox on forward. Like there's just disaster after disaster because yeah. uh, people are buying things they don't understand from people that they don't trust and, and, and sure enough, bad things happen. So if you, if you restore it to the original, which, is, which only happened a couple of years ago, um, now it's really working. Like it's really working and we're seeing real adoption on, on this. There's all kinds of controversy around it. You know, the Ethereum group hates it. Uh, why do they hate it so much? You know, they hate it because it's a major threat to their to their network. Um, because we can do everything, absolutely everything, except just faster and cheaper. Yep. You know, everything and more faster and cheaper. <laughs> that's that's probably that's the that's the main draw of Ether, Ethereum, right? Is just like it's uh, it's so much it's more versatile, right? It it, it hasn't spun up to something that it's not of what Bitcoin has currently, right? But it doesn't scale, right? And they identify yeah. that, and yeah. and now that's why they're working on 2.0, and they're moving away from proof of work into proof of stake, and they're trying to make all these compromises because the original design doesn't scale, and transaction costs on Ethereum are. Going, you know, last month average about $16, $17. This month, they're like $30. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, back it up just a second. If I'm, if I am a young artist and I'm creating all kinds of art and I want yeah. to sell NFTs um, and I've got a blockchain that costs $30 a transaction and I've got one that costs half a penny, yeah, I might choose the half a penny one and, and not get all tied up in the politics of it. Of course, of course. Know? So, so, and we think millions of people are going to make that choice. Yeah. And certainly lots of big industry are making that choice because so many of the great applications on blockchain, they don't work with high fees. They don't work if it's really slow. It doesn't work. Uh, so, you know, we think, um, you know, the author under, under the pseudonym Satoshi Nakamoto, you know, it's now been realized that that guy is, is really a guy named Craig Wright. Mm -hmm. He's an Australian living in, in the UK. Uh, Craig's an advisor to our firm. He's a shareholder of our firm. Uh, he holds many, many patents on, on enterprise applications on Bitcoin. Uh, and he's a, a, an absolutely fascinating character. And um, it's really, really important that, you know, just like in the internet, when the early days, you know, 96, 97, it, there was a whole bunch of industry leaders, of course. many of which don't exist today. Of course. You know, I just read that story about Sergey Brin walking into the uh, offices of Excite and trying to sell Google for seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars, they and they threw him to the sidewalk. Mm -hmm. You know, how, how try on one point five trillion for size today? Yeah, how about that? right. And so, like, and, and this is similar right now. Like it, this, this is like nineteen ninety six in, in the internet. That's what's yeah. where we're at right now yeah. with blockchain, and it's way too early for anyone to claim victory on anything. Yeah, no, I I, I completely agree, and it's and it's too early for people to kind of think that time's up and that like you know that they can't get into it like it's i've i've probably talked at nauseum you know not only on the show but like probably how public with my friends <laughs> that, that the, the few that will listen and not many people will you know <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be honest here the few that will listen uh of like of like it's so early like we're so early like nothing like the applications that we're currently seeing right now are going to be absolutely like 10 years from now, 20 years from now, like my little brother's like 14 right now, 15. Imagine he gets his hands on it, the technology that he's going to build on top of it. Like it's, it has such amazing potential. It's we're again, like you said, like we're at the gold rush, right? Like you want to be the guy selling the pans, the shovels, right? You got to be selling the maps of like where to find all the gold. Like nah, we're living in a really great time. Dial back of finding and just how did you get him as an advisor? That's my question of like, how did you find him? How'd you get him as an advisor? What was that whole process like? Like you said, he's a very fascinating character. 
I believe it. I want to, I want to hear more about that, that whole story and that whole process. Well, I'll, I'll send you some links later, just some, some stuff for you to, to look at. And <laughs> uh, it's, it's fascinating stuff, but Craig himself, you know, and I'm, I'm not an expert or authority on Craig, but I've certainly read volumes. I've watched hundreds of videos and, and uh, interviews and, and feel like, you know, I need to understand this. If, if what we're doing is evangelizing the restoration of the original Bitcoin and we have the founder uh, and inventor on the team, uh, I better try to understand that as much as I possibly can. Yep. Um, so, you know, that whole story is, is a long one. Uh, but essentially, we have another really amazing benefactor, a wonderful guy named Calvin Ayer, who's our largest shareholder. Yep. Uh, Calvin's a Canadian guy, uh, and he became rich and famous because he had a company called Bodog. And Bodog was an online gaming uh, website um, and ecosystem. Uh, and that's how he made, made his big dough. And if you think about that situation, that whole online gaming was, you know, it was, it was in the darkness, you know, and people were using it. There was a lot of controversy around it. Certainly the authorities really pushed back on it. Yeah. And now we've got DraftKings sponsoring NFL stadiums and that's how fast things can change. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And Bitcoin's the same, you know, in the beginning, um, you know, one of the side effects of making this incredible invention, it was also like the perfect money laundering tool. And people figured that out. You put a bunch of whole, whole bunch of computers on one side and out the other side comes money that you can put on a memory stick and put in your pocket and get on an airplane and fly to Malta or you can go to anywhere. anywhere. You want. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's still a contingent of folks that really like that aspect yep. of it and would like to keep it that way. Um, but uh, Bitcoin, as it was designed, was always designed to be completely compliant. That's another big change that happened uh, in the early years of Bitcoin. And um, in fact, uh, Craig Wright went and got a law degree as part of the process of inventing Bitcoin so we could understand how to make it compliant because it would never be what it could, could possibly be if it was in the shadows. It has to be 100%. compliant regulators yeah. and the governments and everyone else for it to be, uh, for it to, you know, get to, to its work. full vision of, yeah, of what of it's supposed to be. Of course. Um, our CEO, met Craig early on in, in his career, and I won't go into a lot of the details, but there's lots of reasons that uh, uh, Stefan felt that uh, Craig was onto something with this whole Bitcoin uh, way, way back when Craig was still an auditor. Um, and they've been a passionate trio ever since. And we're, we're just one company in, in Calvin's ecosystem uh, that he's trying to build around Bitcoin SV. Um, and it, even in the last six months, I would say there's now I think we have three investors now in this company that are uh, running professionally run funds that are only investing in Bitcoin SV. Wow. Looking for opportunities. So for the, for the young developers out there and people with dreams, I'm going to tell you right now, there is money out there for you if you have a good idea and, and you have something that is, has some economic worth. Yeah, uh, your ideas are worth something. <laughs> so don't give up. You got to keep going. So this is, a, this is actually a pretty great transition. So what was it like? going public and just like having that ramp up going like what was that process like you know especially being the small small percentage uh or uh, of, of companies actually becoming public via like using crypto as a vehicle like what was that whole process like like just just walk me through that please well this company was already public when i when i uh took, became president but you know this is the fourth time i've been president of a small company like this okay Three public and one private yeah and and I will tell you, and I think all entrepreneurs would probably agree, if you can do it without going public, do that. <laughs> like yeah. <if> you can, <laughs> yeah. 
because this whole ecosystem, you know, all those big towers they build downtown, you know, oh, it's, yeah. it's mostly built from fees taken from public companies with lawyers and accountants and all these folks that, that have to get paid. It's extremely, extremely expensive yeah. to be a young, small public company. But um, in some new industries, Bitcoin being one of them, another great example would be cannabis. You know, you yeah. can't find meaningful private investment in the early days. It didn't oh. exist. Yeah. So you had to spread out and find all the other enthusiastic speculators out there that want to participate in this and, and, and form your capital that way. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you can't be in the public markets without loving the markets. And, and I love the markets. I've always loved the markets from, from the very, very uh, beginning. Uh, and I'm comfortable in this public setting, but it's not for everybody. And it's not without an extreme amount of heartache. Um, of and yeah. Everybody gets an opinion everybody gets oversight yep. and you're the only people that have to do all the work. There's, yep. there's, only, there's only one group of people doing the work. And it's you. <laughs> yeah. It's, oh man. Yeah. No, you, you probably, you nail it in the head. If, if you don't have to go public, don't go public. But you know, if you, if you have to, why not? Follow for well, it's, 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 it's a graveyard. It, it, it is just a graveyard of broken souls that, that haven't made it. But like anything, if you have a dream and you want to, and you want to do it, it's possible. And, and, you know, the other thing that most people find out when, when you are a public company is just how many people it takes to be successful. Yeah. Uh, not only in your company, but your advisors, uh, your bankers, the salesmen, the traders, like, uh, the market makers, there's all kinds of people that are, are helping you every single day. And um, if I could give a shout out to all those people tonight and just say, thank you very much. Cause I, I don't say thank you often enough and it, it, you can't do it by yourself. You can't. Yeah, no, it, it definitely, it definitely takes a village, especially, especially building a company and building something that is a product primarily built on trust. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you know, you're building a network that is peer to peer. You're building out a network where you have people, two, two strangers from across the world being able to just, just bond and be like, yeah, not, Hey, I'm going to send you this much. I'm going to send you this much for this. Perfect. Here you go. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm 40, you know, I'm 40, I'm like 400 kilometers away from him. It's sick. Here you go. And then, you know, it, it takes quite a bit of trust, not only in the product, but like internally in the teams to make sure that like, Hey, like I got you. I, like I, I have you. You got my back. Cool, because we're building something that's completely new and in the dark, and we're just, you know, we're learning how to build a <laughs> a shovel, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's you know like any like any industry, it gets overregulated, and then new things show show up. So we see these new exchanges showing up, and then the advent of the SPAC, and the you know, there's all kinds of different vehicles and. You know, one thing that all the regulators and the governments forget is that capital is highly mobile. It'll go wherever it needs to go to seek out higher returns. So if things get overregulated or things get too complex or too expensive, yeah, uh, capital will go elsewhere. Yeah. And and uh, you know, post COVID, that's one of the things I'm really interested to see is because all this money that's coming out, all this free money, um, something's going to get paid for somehow. And yeah. Um, yeah, there has, there has to be a course people, correction. There has to be a course correction. There's a lot of people who just kind of pick up their stuff and leave if it's too expensive. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, that's definitely that's definitely a fear, I guess, now, which is it's just so interesting because you know, like up until like two years ago, if we had a conversation of regulation, like we were just getting started with regulation, now people are like on it, like everyone's just like whoever, whoever can like figure out the regulations, uh, 
the sooner the better because that's just that's just money just pending just waiting for them to kind of come through right um what is your take on regulations and like i guess in in, in some cases over regulation what is what are your thoughts on that well listen i think when it comes to something like the monetary system like this thought of uh DeFi and we're all going to have this kind of magic money that has nothing to do with the government or anything like that, forget it. Like that's not happening. They, they, they it's, it's a central pillar of every single government that they control the money system. They absolutely have to, uh, and uh, they're not going to get away from that. And so, you know, it's amazing to see a place like China, for instance, being one of the most progressive places on crypto because it is centralized and it is completely controlled. So, so in this in this notion of money not already being digital, it already is. Like it already yeah. is. There's no such thing as money. There's not there's not a vault somewhere with all this money in it. It's it's it it's it is just an imaginary thing that we trust in. You know, yeah, uh, like anything else. And um, so I, I think like most things here in this country in particular will be a little bit too slow. We'll probably be a little bit too heavy handed, and then we'll kind of catch up and. You know, Canadians will always do the right thing, but once they've tried everything always. else, once they've tried everything yeah. else, then they'll do the right thing. <laughs> and or just wait for other other people to kind of see. All right, we're just gonna let we're just gonna let all the other countries kind of do the thing. We're just gonna sit here, and just drink our coffee, and just wait, see 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 if they come back. If they come back, cool. If they don't, well, then now we don't. <laughs> we'll try something else. Yeah, Canadians. Uh, that's probably I guess one of the more frustrating aspects of. Um, of having such like a f- like flourishing market of Canadian crypto uh, mm. is that Canada's slow. <laughs> it's very conservative. It takes time. Uh, there's, there's checks and balances, which makes us great, but equally, you know, we're definitely missing up on a lot of opportunity um, by not being the number one country. Yeah, but but on the flip Canadian side of that, like our exchanges, like the Canadian Venture Exchange and the Canadian Securities Exchange and the Neo, you know, these alternative oh, yeah. exchanges um are actually very very progressive on a global scale and you know which is which that's, is that's where the cannabis just, industry got funded that's where yeah. crypto has been funded yeah and it's yeah. still very hard to list a crypto company in the u.s and uh you gotta go through a lot of hoops the auditors don't want to deal with you uh, all that kind of stuff so you know credit where credit is due we we, we and you know canada is kind of seen as this resource economy um you know oil and gas and mining and people don't probably appreciate like when there's investors investing in a mining or oil and gas company that's in Africa or so somewhere in the middle of South America and it's like it creates real economy there's real yeah. social benefits yeah. um, to to this money flowing into these places that otherwise would have nothing of course and it creates jobs and education and healthcare and uh, there's a lot of economic social good that yeah. comes from you know let's call it what it is speculators us, us speculators that want to invest in these kind of things yeah and yeah, like 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 you mentioned before, right? Of uh, money's mobile, especially especially today, right? Like you know, if if we have more Canadian crypto companies kind of just being in Canada, developing, building out, you know, they start creating like smaller micro economies, right? Now we become the tokenization of economies where like, hey, you know, some some kid gets an investment from this this crypto company, he starts his own thing that does well, inspires another kid, and just just kind of build and grow from there. It's yeah, I mean, I guess to you, how important is Canadian crypto? Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's overly important. I think. I think it's um, somebody's going to figure it out, and we're going to adopt something. Gotcha. Um, but we we should be open enough to allow development. And you know, in the oil and gas business, the mining business, we have we have tax credit 
is to incentivize investors to invest in those kind of businesses. And we should have the exact same for technology. We should have tax credits that allow investors to invest here at home and, and support young developers to, to create new things uh, on a tax advantage basis because that gotcha. program really, really works and it creates jobs. It creates a lot of uh, economic benefit. Um, you know, is it important to us that we invented here? Maybe, maybe not, but we're going to use it. And that's for sure. You know, yeah. one way or another, we're going to use it. Gotcha. Gotcha. No, that's, it's a, it's a very, it's a very fair. So we should make it, we should make Canada mining friendly. Like there's going to be a lot of computing ah, power. Yeah. When people talk about all the power involved in, in, in crypto mining and it is a lot. Gotcha. Yeah. Not as much as, you know, we use every day on our, our cell phones and yeah. every, or your computer that you're on right now, like the vast data centers <laughs> sprawling, uh, energy consumption, you know, places like like Niagara Falls would be a great place to set up a a big crypto hub right on right. on all that 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 green power that's sitting there. Of course, of course, I I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, uh, processing power is going to become processing power like as power outage is going to, is going to become one of the next uh, interesting topics <laughs> and oh, an issue to focus on because hey, it's great that we have all these people in crypto. Well. All right. Well, if my computer's firing, your computer's firing, my entire building's computer's firing. Okay. Well, that's a lot of energy. Okay. That's a lot of heat. That's a lot of, it, it's going to, you know, what's the economic, what's the environmental impact of all this, right? Where are we going to put this? What are the solutions? It's, it, we're coming into a very interesting problem where crypto is going to slowly now lead in more into like uh, just global warming and just climate change as a general, like who knows, right? Crypto might yeah. even, crypto might even solve global warming. <laughs> If it becomes well, people, you know, so often there's there's technology looking for a problem, you of know, course. and that's kind of how I feel about the DeFi stuff. It's like you're kind of looking for a problem for most for most of the the, the industrialized world. The banking system kind of works, you know. Yep. I can walk in pretty much anywhere I've ever gone, and I can buy something with a credit card, and it works. And maybe it's too expensive for fees and all that stuff, but sure. it kind of works. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we want to make sure we're, we're actually addressing a problem, and yeah. that, that's where blockchain, you know, can, you know, if you think about it outside the financial system, you know, in, in supply chain or in, in um, any kind of business process where there's third parties that introduce friction and cost, those yeah. are the ones that get disintermediated. You know, yeah. what people really want is things to be easier and cheaper. Yeah. And if you can if you can make that happen, not only for people but for industries. Uh, then you've got a world beater. Yeah, yeah, which is which is the goal, right? The 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 goal is speed and efficiency, just to kind of like just trim the fat. Let's be as productive and efficient as we possibly can, because the world is getting faster, and you know it's it's not going to wait for us. <laughs> we gotta we gotta we gotta catch up. We gotta run ahead uh, eventually. So touched up on this topic just a little bit, but could you talk a little bit more of like what? blockchain processing power is and essentially what, what does that mean to tell and why is it so important yeah it's, it's important to us you know so you know the thing with blockchain is it's decentralized so you've got this decentralized consensus with all the mining companies and, and the miners out there and um for for a company like us that is really focusing on um um commercial industrial applications for blockchain we need to be able to offer service level agreements uh, and consistency and uptime that they're used to in other industries. So, you know, if you're if you are hosting your website with with Amazon, for instance, uh, your expectation is that thing is going to be working most of the time. Yeah. Uh, 99.9% of the time it's up and running. And uh, so the same thing as you're as you're doing 
um, you know, some sort of work for blockchain for corporations, they have that same expectation. So for us, we need to win a lot of blocks. So yep. for us to put stuff on the blockchain, we have to win the blocks. Gotcha. And right now, you know, we're winning kind of 30 or 40% of the blocks every single day on Bitcoin SV. And uh, that gives us the ability to, um, you know, work with applications and work with developers to be able to put a whole bunch of information on those blocks and then also retrieve it. So it's very, very important that we have a lot of processing power. So we talk about that and the measurement is called petahash. That's how we measure it all. And, um, and, and, you know, the good news is for the mining community and people that have to run mining machines is your costs are very predictable because the computer's either on or it's off. Yeah. And when it's on, you know, whether it wins a block or not, the cost the same, it costs the same. So getting access to low cost power, um, in an environmentally sensitive way is really, really important. We're using a lot of like stranded gas out in Alberta. Gotcha. Uh, we could talk about our country's energy policy as much as you want, uh, in another, another segment, uh, <laughs> but you know, that policy is, is, is stranded a lot of job, a lot of, a lot of gas and a lot of people's jobs and livelihoods, but it's creating an opportunity for people like us that we can do this inexpensively and, and in an environmentally sensitive way, because that gas is going to get flared one way or another, right. uh, whether we use it or not. So right. we might as well use it. Uh, so that's really, really um, important to us that we're able to uh, continually win blocks uh, on the BSV blockchain every single day, 24 hours a day. Gotcha. That, that's, that's incredible. I mean, it's, uh, it's <laughs> the, en the energy thing. Oh, now, we, now you got me excited. I was like, man, I want to talk about, man, I want, I want to talk about Canadian energy. I love, I love Canadian energy. It makes me, makes, that's why I wake up in the morning. <laughs> okay. Awesome. So uh, what is, I guess, the Tau console? Like what is, uh, like, why, why did you guys get that started? How, like give the story behind that. The console is nothing more than it's just like an interface for for, gotcha. for uh, enterprise clients to be able to deal with us. So right now it's really, really simple. Uh, but the goal is uh, that you add on more products and more services and people can do analytics and all kinds of things that they expect to do. Just just like if you're, uh, you know, the, the broader category that we fit into is cloud computing. So yeah. in that category, you know, you would expect a whole bunch of services and analytics available, even if you had a Shopify account, for instance, right? Yeah you would be able expect to go into your account and you'd be able to see all kinds of things, see what your transactions look like. Same um, kind of principle. Analytics, upgrade your service. You know, yeah. I've got three point of sale terms. I want to go to 10, you know, I should be able to go click, click and get that. That's right. the expectation of, a, of, of clients. And we got to live to that standard, even though it's a brand new industry. Yeah. That's uh, again, extremely frustrating, but extremely exciting all at the same time. Cause you're building, you know, you're building a very high demand product, but you're building a high demand product in a brand new market, which Again, people, is, people want to do stuff on their own, you know, whether, whether you're an individual uh, consumer or you're a corporation, you want to be, your expectation is I, I can log in and go boom, 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 and just get what I need. Yeah, of course. I mean, like it's same principle when you're a kid, right? You, you definitely don't, you don't want your mom and dad to help you out uh, to tie your shoe. You want to do it by yourself. You could do this. So same kind of principle <laughs> going through a website, like, Hey, you know what? I know how to sign up a website. I've done it before. All right. Don't, don't disrespect me. I know how to do this. Right, you want to make sure you have at least at least amount of friction as you possibly can uh, with as much with the touch points. There's so many you know exciting applications coming out of blockchain, and you know from social media, gaming, supply chain, um, you know healthcare. Healthcare is a big one. You know mm -hmm. we've got some exciting clients in healthcare, for instance. You know, and you look young and healthy and never been in the healthcare system, but like 
for a lot of people, it's a very frustrating experience if you're involved in it or get into it. So yeah. you imagine that, you know, you're in some sort of kind of accident, you're hurt. So you have your, your record with your family doctor, you have a record with the hospital, yeah. with the pain clinic, the blood clinic, the MRI, all these things, they have all your, all, all your information. If you flip it around now and say, I own my own patient record yep. and it's permission-based, Yep. And I just give permission to all these different groups on my yep. phone yep. to be able to put those records on chain. So it's really important that it can't be hacked or disrupted. And that's what the blockchain does so beautifully because it's cryptographically Crypt secure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I own that patient record. All of a sudden, I don't have to go back to the blood clinic again because the pain clinic needs it and the hospital needs it. No, my blood works there. Here, I'm going to give you permission to look at that. Yeah. And then you fast forward a few years from now. Now think about millions of people having their own patient record that they actually own. Mm -hmm. And you get a, a bing on your phone and it's like Johnson & Johnson or Harvard Medical School wants to access your patient record. Would you like to allow them to do that for a study? Yeah. All that big data. We talk about big data a lot. Like that's a really good source of big data. That's going to be, it's going to be very, I mean, like, Hey, let, even, let's stay fast forwarded. I mean, it's not, it's not only going to be your healthcare information, but it's going to be everything, right? If, if it's tied in, it's like, Hey, you know, Harvard's going to give you 2,500,000, like 2,500 K for this study opted boom, wires already in, you're good to go. It's, everything. it's, it's, it's going to be anything and everything, which is going to be extremely, extremely exciting. Cause a lot of big companies have figured it out, right? They've figured out how to monetize our data. Mm -hmm. And now we need to figure out how to monetize our own data because it's going to be it's going to be monetized one way or another. We it might is, as well no, exactly. I mean, like, hey, topping it off of how we kicked off this conversation with Google. I mean, like, hey, you know what? Data is a massive, massive industry. You know why? <laughs> you know, like we own none of we own none of our data. Like I, you know, like I don't own my own health card number. I don't own my, my password number. Like everything should be on your phone, right? That's why digital identity is very in interesting uh, and an exciting space because now, you know, you get to own your data. You have companies like Brave and like a few other companies out there that Brave's are- a great one. Pay, great that, that are actually paying you for your actual, uh, for, for to send out your information to get to get money off it. I mean, hey, why not? You know, like if you're going to get targeted all these ads, you might as well make a fraction of it. Yeah. Well, for the, for the older people in the, in the audience, uh, they'll remember like Canadian Tire, like we used to have Canadian Tire money. Oh, yeah. They, give you, they, they, they had their own printing press and they made yeah. money and they gave it to you. I've still got all my Canadian Tire money around here somewhere. I think I think I have a 10 cents like bill somewhere <laughs> in my room. <laughs> like I definitely have one. Yeah, yeah. Canadian Tire money was phenomenal. Yeah. And now we're living in a digitized, uh, digitized version of Canadian Tire money where not only Canadian Tire can make their own money, everyone can make their own money <laughs> at this point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is, yeah, which is incredible. right. And it, it, it should be fair and equal. And, uh, you know, a few of the largest, most profitable companies in the world, they don't give us anything back. No, exactly. I mean, like the data is powerful, right? Especially now with where, you know, we're making sure our data is encrypted with security breaches coming in every day, people getting hacked every day, people just, people just losing passwords, uh, having, a more, having a more secure way to kind of not only protect you, information but you know be able to monetize from it it's a phenomenal thing so i'm just gonna flip it on to you i'm like chris what are you most excited about in the, in, the, in the industry like i guess what keeps you up at night either in a good way or in a bad way give us uh give us some insights of what gets you fired up for me there's there's only two enemies and, and those enemies are time and money yeah and so uh go and get the money make sure that we are properly stacked uh and and work against time and and there's there's a million time bandits out there every single day that want to steal your time and yeah. take you off course. And you know, I always say that discipline is one of those easy things to talk about. It's really easy to talk about being disciplined. Oh, it's actually hard to do it. It's really hard to do it. And, yeah. and being disciplined means saying no. 
It's like, no, we've already decided this. Here's where we're going, right or wrong. Okay. We've picked our path and we're not going to, we're not going to hedge our bets. You know, we're, we're going forward. We're a hundred percent all in on this plan and, and get everybody on, on side with that. So that's, you know, and that's not just your, your people in, in the company. That's all your, everyone around you of course, uh, that, that want to derail or, you know, doubt or whatever, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta have faith in yourself and be willing to move forward no matter what every single day, you know, for me, do I have a lot of worries? I don't have a ton of worries. I, I think worrying is, uh, you know, that's a pretty, that's a big waste of time, man. You know, <laughs> yeah. Like, no. I, I've got a problem. So I'm going to sit here and feel badly about it for the next two hours. It's, yeah, no, that makes, it's a waste <laughs> of time and energy. It's the two things that you're trying to not do, right? Like, yeah, it's not going to help you. It's not going to help you. Uh, you know, but, but I've been really lucky to be involved in, in emerging industries. You know, I was involved in the wireless business, you know, when digital wireless was just coming out, I was involved in the internet just at the very beginnings uh, in cannabis and, and now in blockchain and, you know, I, uh, it's you, you get to hang out with a certain kind of group of people that are like-minded and enthusiastic and entrepreneurial. And, um, you know, that's a great way to live your life if, if you're of course. cut that way. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's always exciting, uh, you know, being able to kind of just jump on a new industry, kind of like, all right, this is absolutely nothing like the industry before. All right, where do I, where's the, where's the door? Like, where do I, where do I get going? Like, how do we, how do, how do we jump into it? Let's get going. Like, I'm fired up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, there's other ways of living your life too, and that's and that's fine too, and to each their own. Um, safety yeah. and security also means a lot to other people. And hundred um, percent. I know one thing is like none of us are getting out of here alive. That's for no, sure. No, so, no. Um, you know, it's 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 on you to find uh, to find some happiness along the way and find some challenge and. Of course. Um, you know, you know, one of the things that we're, you know, we talk about focus a little bit, but like, like information, we are pounded with information. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Talk about time thieves. And there's just no way you can consume it all. It's impossible. Uh, so you got to be careful on what you consume and, and, uh, you know, the way things are set up these days, it's harder and harder to find, you know, unbiased, factual, you know, interesting, engaging stuff because everyone's got an angle and um, I'm just going to take that TV set and throw it right out the window. Yeah, like there's oh, nothing man. to look yeah. at. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I use my TV for Call of Duty, but that's kind of it. But yeah, no, it's, I, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, you know, you're constantly getting bombarded with information left, right, center, emails here, test text messages here. Just like, it's tough to stay focused. I mean, again, this is where kind of back to what you said, like you need to have that discipline. You need to have that focus of like, you know what, like we're doing the right thing. I'm, you know, I see this vision. I see this dream. This is this goal I want to have. Perfect. I'm just going to just keep on marching until I hit it. And if I hit it, fantastic. If I don't, okay, why the heck did I not hit it? All right, course, correct. Keep going, right? So yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting stuff. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for jumping on the show. I mean, what would be the best way for people to either reach out to you, to reach out to Tal? Uh, yeah, you guys on TikTok, like give us some, uh, give some contact <laughs> I don't information. I have on TikTok yet, but I think we've got an Instagram, we've got a Twitter. Uh, you know, our, our, our investor page is great uh, or just at Tal.com is an easy way to get involved. And there's tons and tons of resources. Like I said, at the top, like there's there's lots if for the people that are curious about this stuff and really want to learn about it. There's a, there's a, there's a pile of resources on the website for everybody at, at uh, tal.com. And, um, 
you know, interviews and videos and all that stuff. And that's how I like to learn as, as well. So we kind of populate with those kinds of things that I like. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. You've been listening to FinTech Fridays brought to you by NCFA and partners. Tune in weekly for the latest FinTech Friday podcast by subscribing to this channel. The National Crowdfunding and FinTech Association of Canada is a nonprofit actively engaged with social and investment FinTech sectors around the globe and provides education, research, industry stewardship, services, and networking opportunities to thousands of members and subscribers. For more information, please visit ncfacanada.org. Oh, yeah.